From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm David Hawkins, senior editor of CQ Roll Call, and with me here in the studio to talk about the year in review for President Donald Trump is our White House correspondent, John Bennett. Good morning, John. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, so you and I are are getting together because we both sort of had the same thought simultaneously, which is the president actually had a pretty good first year in office when it comes to fulfilling the things, the campaign promises he ran on. That's right. Uh, one might say, uh, oh, what a difference a General John Kelly can make. It really felt most days, uh, late summer, early autumn, that the operation was getting um, more and more professional uh, and more and more effective and more and more disciplined. Uh, it will never, I would I would predict, uh, if we have three more or seven more years of the Trump administration and the Trump White House, I don't think it will ever look and operate and function like other White Houses. Um, there is a certain chaos factor here that, uh, that the boss likes, and when you bring it up with senior staff, they don't chase you away from that. So do you do you see John Kelly's arrival as helping uh, the president get what he wanted out of Congress, or was that just the benefits of the first all-Republican government uh, since 2006? Well, I think it's both. Uh, I definitely think that being able to pass things in the Senate with 51 votes, uh, that certainly helps, uh, and especially when these are things that Democrats uh, at their core are opposed to and at their donors' cores also are opposed to. What Kelly did, though, was he created an environment where there was more discipline and more professionalism. So you didn't have chaos in the West Wing. You didn't have, you know, the president on the phone and six people walking in and handing him a Breitbart story that he then uses to criticize the person on the phone who he needs to vote for whatever or who he needs to come around on a provision in something like the health care bill. Kelly, Kelly, I don't want to say isolated the president, but Kelly controls the flow of information. And with Donald Trump, that's a big deal because he's not getting things from, say, Steve Bannon anymore. He's getting what Kelly views as the information he needs to stay on at least more of a message. I don't think Donald Trump will ever stay on message. But to, to kind of stay with the playbook that that Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell are trying to execute. You know, Trump was running a different offense the first six months of his presidency than his own teammates. And what Kelly's done, he's got them all in the same the same sheet of music. So we should just, I guess, review here what the president actually uh, accomplished in terms of reshaping policy uh, in the ways that he promised to do when when he campaigned. We should stipulate up front that uh, there is no wall. I mean, if, if probably if most people remembered one promise from the campaign, it was that the president was going to build this wall. That hasn't happened. Uh, but plenty else has happened. So what are what what's on the greatest hits list uh, in your in your notebook? Well, before we get to that and on the wall, interestingly, uh, in her briefing on Tuesday, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders pointed out in listing um, the accomplishments of the first year that they have built now eight prototypes of the border wall. So they're not running from it. They're saying their message is we're making progress, and this is the federal government. Everything takes time, and we've got eight prototypes. We're just waiting on Congress to come around. So I yesterday began to jot down some of the accomplishments 
in getting ready to uh, to chat with you today. This is a tw- a twenty four page um, reporter's notebook page, and I filled up all but four lines of it, and I could have kept going. These are just the highlights. So th- that that shows you that this that there has been more accomplished than you would think. You have to look beyond the chaos. You have to look beyond, you know, some of the the fiery tweets, the insulting tweets, even uh, the attacks on his own party, and. There is more here. You know, the performance of the economy is something that the president is going to, when he leaves later this week for Mar-a-Lago for his uh, holiday vacation, you know, he's been beating his chest about the performance of the economy. It's been growing faster than under President Obama. Unemployment at very low levels, certainly lower than the Obama years. Um, He got Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court, which conservatives and his base uh, that is a huge deal that that, you know, it, it kept the court where it was. And Gorsuch will be around for quite some time. The tax cut bill, you know, by the time folks listen to this, uh, will be passed, maybe not signed. It takes a little while to get it to the White House. But that that's pretty much a done deal. The individual mandate makes the tax, the repeal of that in the tax bill makes that a double win mm-hmm. for the president. Because, because one would say that the, the individual mandate, if not all of Obamacare, was certainly the sort of the symbolic heart of Obamacare. It was what right. the Supreme Court ruled was constitutional. Right. It was what really most of the public was fixated on if they, were, if they understood one thing about Obamacare. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you go back uh, a dozen federal appellate judges, other federal judges. He's rolled back a slew of Obama-era regulations. That's a big deal. A lot of, um, you know, uh, Democrats and especially progressives – they say that's not doing anything because it's not progress. But when you undo something that your opponent, that you hated that your opponent did, it's very much doing something. He got out of the Paris Climate Pact. Uh, there's that, the health care executive order that we really don't know what the impact will be, but experts say down the road it, it should have a pretty big, uh, a pretty big uh, uh, impact. He got out of the Trans-Pacific uh, Trade Partnership. He's, re- he's ripped open NAFTA and something that probably went a little under the radar, the Iraqi government declared victory over ISIS a few weeks ago. And, and Trump and his team take credit, partial credit for that because they freed up uh, U.S. troops in the region. They changed the rules of engagement. That is not a failure of a first year. And as they head off for, um, for the holiday break with the tax bill and the individual mandate repeal, it's a huge win. It sets up next year a potential triple win because... What the president and his team and and Ryan and McConnell have done now, you know, the experts say Obamacare really doesn't work without the individual mandate. So Republicans now own, I don't want to say breaking the law, but it, it won't function properly. So now Trump and Ryan and McConnell can look at the Susan Collinses, the Lisa Murkowskis of the world who opposed past Republican health care bills. And, 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 you know, kind of, kind of hold the proverbial gun to their head and say, you can't vote to repeal the individual mandate and then not support whatever Republican health care bill we're likely to see early next year. They almost have to vote for that. So this sets up a triple win. This tax bill is a very big deal for the president. So we've, we've listed the president's uh, biggest accomplishments here, which most of which one would have to say were to be expected in an era of unified Republican government. But what we don't know yet is how the public is going to come to appreciate what has happened this year or reject it. 
That's right. There are big questions about you know whether this uh, th- this GOP tax bill will will help the middle class. The, the Republican uh, lawmakers and and the White House certainly every day trying to sell this as a middle class tax cut. You've got groups that are nonpartisan that that are tax experts and and fiscal experts who predict it will balloon the deficit. It could cause uh, a financial crisis in the early 2020s. Uh, then you've got the individual mandate, which seems to set up getting rid of the rest of Obamacare. That could affect millions of Americans. Um, you know, there's one school of thought that by doing that, Republicans are setting a trap for themselves for 2018 and the president a trap for himself for his reelection campaign, that uh, a lot of the folks who voted for Obama twice and then voted for him, especially in the Rust Belt, uh, those key Rust Belt states that will probably again decide the presidential election. You know, you kick millions of people off health care. They don't have access. Family members don't have access to health care. Uh, they're angry when they go uh, when they go vote, and they'll vote for the other guys. They'll vote for the Democrats. So we don't know how these policies are going to play out. We don't know the impact on the economy. Uh, we don't know how it will impact people's everyday lives. And that is really what the bottom line here is. How will re, how will voters feel about this Republican agenda and these quote accomplishments of the president end quote um, once they're enacted and once they get to the point where they're affecting people's lives day in and day out? The president's going to Mar-a-Lago. Congress is going home. They do. Everybody's back in town in early January, uh, and then just two weeks after that, uh, there is yet another threat of a government shutdown. The president he at one point said. What this country needs is a, is a government shutdown. Do you believe that fresh off um, the, this tax bill victory and the other thing that, that sort of the strong finish to 2017, that he really wants to prompt a government shutdown in January? Or how does he see the new year starting off for him? You know, he has not really been asked about this. Uh, hopefully this week we will get the usual year-end uh, presidential press conference. And uh, hopefully uh, my colleagues and I will 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 ask about that and get something on where he stands on the funding. Right now, it seems like he's fine, you know, kicking this into January. I don't know how how concerned he is with this spending situation other than defense spending. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason to really believe that, that he wouldn't follow President Obama's, uh, you know, multiple examples and cut a deal with Democrats, give them more domestic spending. I just think his fights are elsewhere, I, I, and I don't think, I, but I don't think he's interested in a government shutdown. If if it just got to a point in January where the two sides couldn't come uh, to an agreement, if he felt he had a way to blame it on Chuck and Nancy, maybe then. But I don't think he wants a Christmas shutdown. But only if he could blame it on Chuck and Nancy, and if he really felt he had a strong case to make. And do you see um, President working with Congress in the new year on? the so-called DACA, the, the legislation that would put into law the regulations that allowed uh, undocumented children that were brought into, their, into this country by their parents illegally to, to stay? Do you feel like that's going to happen? There is certainly something afoot. Um, we've all been in the room or, or watched Nancy Pelosi for, what, three or four months now during press conferences declare loudly that Democrats are not leaving Washington uh, before Christmas without a DACA fix. They are now poised to potentially provide the votes on multiple measures, year-end measures, 
to leave Washington before Christmas without a DACA fix. So there's something going on. Uh, it seems probably I would predict that Pelosi will come out and say they have some kind of assurance from Republican leaders in the White House that early next year there will be at least votes on something to address DACA. Might that be some kind of uh, mini immigration bill, maybe not as big as as what uh, failed in the House in, in 2013? So there, there's something going on here, and, and re- Democrats are about to do exactly what they promised not to, and there has to be a reason for that. Circling back uh, to the to the end of, the, of this year for just for just one more minute, all of what we just laid out aside uh, in terms of what the, the president having actually done plenty of things to to be consistent with how he ran for president, he now uh, ends his first year in office as the least popular first year president in the history of polling that goes back to Truman. Um, what does the White House say about that disconnect? Everything at the White House is about the base. And they feel very confident that, you know, he holds on any given day, depending on the poll you look at, it's low 30s to around 40 percent of the overall electorate. And then there is, and we saw this in, in the 2016 election, uh, Republicans usually go home, so to speak. They, they'll vote for the Republican nominee. And they're banking on, on those two things, uh, plus holding enough of that blue-collar, traditionally Democrat, Democratic uh, working class group in the Rust Belt that, that, they, that, that Trump won in 2016. They're, they're counting on especially the performance of the economy. I think the last few weeks, we've, we've really seen the president himself and the rest of the team at the White House you know, really crank up their, um, their promotion of the economy, the unemployment rate, of the stock market especially. This idea that wealth, new wealth is being created, and that's because of Donald Trump. I feel fairly confident that Donald Trump's going to hit the campaign trail for Republican candidates maybe uh, mid, late next year, hit the trail really hard, and it will be an economic message. And I can tell you from watching a lot of, uh, of Trump rallies and events, when he's talking about issues like the tax bill and trade and jobs and reversing some of the economic trends that made people in the Rust Belt vote for him, people who voted for Obama twice, he is very, very persuasive in those moments, maybe not to folks in the, inside the Beltway, but to folks in, in rural areas and places where textile mills and manufacturing facilities were moved overseas and people lost their jobs, maybe they got brother and two cousins who have caught up in the opioid situation because there's just not work. It's just not a happy situation. He's very, very effective communicating with those people. He speaks their language. If you believe it or not, um, they do. I think that'll have to be the last word. That was John Bennett, CQ Roll Call's White House correspondent. Happy holidays. Same to you. I'm David Hawking, senior editor for Roll Call. And for me, this will be my last big story podcast because in the new year, we'll be rolling out a new podcast called Roll Call Decoder, in which my guests and I will try and help you understand the sometimes confusing politics, people, and policies that drive Capitol Hill. You can subscribe to this and all the other CQ Roll Call podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And for more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall. <laughs>